that we'll be going to prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's from the Gospel of John. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Come Holy Spirit, we ask for the gifts that only you can give to inspire us, to lead us, give us wisdom and understanding. We entrust this time to you, and through your power and the intercession of our Mother, guide these men to their vocations as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, holy woman. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. So, fellas, it's good to be with you. Um, I think I'm teetering like on sickness, so if I just all of a sudden vomit on the floor, don't worry about it. Um, but uh, I just ask the Lord to keep me healthy through these talks that I can give in the next three days, and then I don't care what happens. I want to talk to you today about vocation. You know what? I'm going to use this. Because I like to move around a little bit more. You can hear me, right? Don't worry, it's going to be plenty loud, okay? Alright, so vocation. Vocation comes from the Latin word vocatio. It means to be called. Now, whenever we think of vocation, we think of like being called from God, right? But there are three calls going on in your life. There's the call of the world. There's your own call of your own ego. And then there's the call of Christ the King. When I did a 30-day silent retreat, I had time to kind of meditate on what's called the two standards. You have the standard of Christ and you have the standard of the world or the devil. Because usually the world and the devil kind of go together. I don't know if you've noticed that. <clears throat> but as you meditate on these two standards, you take one hour for each. And as I was meditating on the standard of the devil, I remember thinking, I'm like, wow, you can really do anything you want, right? The enemy's all about sex, drugs, rock and roll, instant gratification, have fun, do what you want, get your own, use people, blah, 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 blah. I looked at Christ's standard, pray fast. You know, be virtuous, discipline, sacrifice, give your life. And I'm like, no offense, Lord, but your, your standard sucks. Like, it's a bad standard. It's a terrible sales pitch. You wonder why people are leaving the church. This sales pitch doesn't work. And God says very clearly. He said, mine isn't a sales pitch. Mine is the truth about who human beings are and how they are to live. His, his is the sales pitch. And if you live for him, you will always find death. You live for me, it will be difficult, but you will always find life. Because right now, you guys, we play around with life. We have it too good. Way too good. It's too easy. And so we take things for granted. Little things, they're supposed to be like big sufferings. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a, it was a Facebook post or something that somebody sent to me. And it was this girl, she was in some college in California, and Somebody was wearing a cross around their neck. Not a cross, just a cross. And she said she had to go to like the school counselor. She was so offended. She was so traumatized that she had to look at this cross. That there was this huge lawsuit. And some Navy SEAL got on her Facebook post. And said, I stepped in an IED, blew up my legs and watched my buddy burn to death. F your trauma. That's trauma, man. 
The stuff that you guys sit around like, oh, we suffer, we got it so hard, everything. You don't know suffering. You don't know difficulty. We got it too damn good. And because of that, there's this life of comfort presented to us, and we all want to live there. We don't want to live in greatness. And so we play around. We play around with life. We play around by... It's like at Braveheart, right? I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. If you haven't, you should. It's a great movie. But anyway, there's this line there. He says, the lady, his, his like, you know, girl that loves him, she comes up to William Wallace, who's about to die for what he believes in. And she says, just take this drug, and it will kill you before you have to bear all the torture that they're going to do to you. In the movie, and actually in real life, they disemboweled him. Cut his guts out. And he says, I can't do that, or I wouldn't be doing what I believe. He says, all men die, but few men really live. Few men really live. And my prayer to you, you guys, for you, is that you realize this before it's too late. You realize it before it's too late. I think there's a real misconception in the area of living for God in the modern world. That somehow, that God's call is boring. And that the call of the sinner to be the idiot, that's the fun call. To go out, sex, drugs, rock and roll, like that's what's fun. And to live for Christ, that's boring. Those are boring people. Some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life are the ones that live for Christ. The most boring people are the ones that do what everybody else is doing. That's boring. And you know what? I almost think, right? I almost think that somehow that we think that in order for life to be fun, there has to be a little evil involved. Just a little. We have to dabble somehow. That if we live for Christ, we're actually missing the real life. And this just isn't true. You guys, the quote-unquote fun life of sin, I want to tell you something because I'm on the front lines of this. You guys don't get to see it. Maybe you get to see a little bit of it, but you don't see it like we priests do, right? I made a list of these things that I came to in prayer that I have seen that this is the true life of sin. You don't sit with young women who have been taken advantage of so many times that they want to kill themselves, that they think they're worthless, that they can't be loved because men have abused them. I have. You don't sit in psych wards with people who have taken so many drugs that they're freaking clinically insane. I have. I've sat with those people. And you know what's funny about it? It starts out real simple. I had a buddy. I had a buddy. We were friends, and then he went his way, I went my way. But he was the guy, and he went to school here. He was the guy that anybody needed a little weed, they went to him. He was the fun-loving, you know, little hippie kind of guy. Everybody thought he was funny. He was always the crazy at the party. I saw him about four years ago. And he had to check into a hospital to detox from an 80-day bender on heroin. 80 straight days. This was the guy that was just a fun-loving, hey, I'm going to smoke a little weed, have some fun on the weekend kind of guy. 80-day bender he was on heroin, shooting up 100% of the time that he was awake. You guys don't get to see that. He was emaciated. I barely even recognized the guy. You don't sit with young women on the verge of a mental breakdown because they had an abortion, because they were forced to by their boyfriend, or they contracted an STD. You don't sit with young men who have looked at so much pornography and masturbated so many times they can't even get an erection anymore. That's legit, man. 
Yeah, I read a Time Magazine article. Time Magazine, so I'm not, this isn't like the Pope's Magazine, okay? This is Time. Time is no friend of the Catholic Church. In the Time Magazine article, they said that, you know Cialis and Viagra? You know, do you know, can you shake your head? Yeah, okay, for people that can't get a boner, right? These guys, <laughs> no, they can't, they have ED. But the Time Magazine article said this, the reason they can't is because it's pornography. That those commercials, if you watch them, the guys in those commercials are getting younger and younger and younger. Because the target audience right now, that Viagra and Cialis have said their target audience is 20 to 30 year olds. That's like where you're supposed to be a bull, man. Seriously, that's like when you're supposed to be the most potent. And these guys can't get an erection. They can't even be aroused by natural women. Because the digital woman is so stuck in their head. Try dealing with somebody like that. You don't get to see that, I do. You don't sit in the confessional for hours upon hours with people bawling before you because of what they've done to other people and what's been done to them. You don't get to see that. You don't get to see married couples. They're struggling with infidelity, alcoholism, because the husband or the wife was promiscuous in college or was a drunk in college and now can't break that habit. You don't get to see that. I do. Or the countless people on social media that have been bullied, that I sit with and they ball before me, saying they just want to find some friends. You don't get to see that. Or my brother, three years ago, there was an attack on social media of a young man. My brother had to go downstairs at the home of his parents and identify the body because he had taken a shotgun and blown his head off. You don't get to see that. I do. You don't get to see any of it. You don't get to see the person that was playing around with Ouija boards, being and dabbling in the occult. I was at an exorcism. I watched a 90-pound little tiny woman throw a grown man across a room while speaking in a variety of different languages and all types of weird other stuff. I watched a young woman who was possessed by the devil who wanted to kill me. She said it. I want, your, I want you dead. I watched her lay prostrate before the Eucharist as I held it in front of her. You don't get to see that. I do. You're not at bedsides of people who are dying who sit back and say, I wasted my life. I gave my life just for me. I never gave it to anybody. I made my family pay for it. I made my wife pay for it. My kids pay for it. You don't see that. You don't, lay at pe- you don't sit at people's bedsides as they die. And the reason you don't, the reason you don't, and I do, is because for some reason, as I said, you think that evil is in some way a little bit fun. Hollywood portrays it as fun. I mean, everybody loves to go to the new, the new horror fl- film. I hate them. I, the ones on Possession, like The Exorcism of Emily Rhodes, I don't know, they just got some new ones. Like, those are, they're a joke. I've seen possessed people, and they're nothing like these movies portray them. Nothing. You want to know what the number one feeling I had in the midst of that exorcism? Because I went in, and I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is what I trained for. <laughs> like, I'm going to kick his ass. <laughs> and I walked in, but there was, there was a lot of fear inside of me. A lot of fear. Because I'm like, what's going to happen? I've never been in here. And all I heard was screams and growls and all this crap coming from this room. It was insane. And as I was in there, I walked in, 
And I had this lady, man. I had her like, and I think it's double chicken wing, right? <laughs> no, I'm serious. And it took all the power and strength I had. And there were three other guys trying to hold her down. 90 pound old woman. There's a point when I bent up so hard trying to, to subdue her, I thought I was gonna break her arms. And you know what the number one feeling I had during that hour exorcism? The number one feeling I had? Absolute despair. When you look at evil in the face and you see it as it truly is, not as it's masked, but the fullness of evil, it is not fun, it is not an adrenaline rush, it just sucks. Pure despair. Pure darkness. When I looked in her eyes, I felt so bad for her. But you know how she got there? Little by little. I told some of the Knights of Virtue, I'm sure you this story about Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great had a way of conquering people. He would come into their thing, he would conquer the people, and then in order to assimilate them into his culture, he wouldn't rip everything out and say, you're following Greek, stop. He would do one thing at a time. He'd say, here, have a little, have a little Greek food. And they're like, we hate Greek food, you suck. And he's like, just try some. They're like, fine. They try to, hey, Greek food's pretty good. And then they go to the next thing, literature. We hate Greek literature. We hate the Greeks. Just try, just read a book. They read, hey, literature's pretty good. Check out our philosophy. We hate Greek philosophy. Just read it. Just try it. They try, hey, Greek philosophy's great. Look at our dramas, our theater, our comedies. Look at it. We hate Greek philosophy. Try it. Oh, they're hilarious. We love them. And they wake up and they say, damn it, we're Greek. Because what happened? <laughs> This was the genius of Alexander the Great. What happened? He just slowly, 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 slowly made act. He didn't force him. He just said, come on. Try it. Just try it. This is the exact way, you guys, that the enemy works in our lives. Just try it. And how do you get to a point where your life is an absolute nightmare? You choose it. One choice at a time. That's why choices are so, so fundamentally important, you guys. Just open your eyes. Please. I'm begging you open your eyes. Look at life as it truly is. And you will see that every single time that evil is involved, there is always pain. There is always suffering. Look, I'm not going to deny that sin at the onset is fun. Okay? I'm not going to deny that. If sin wasn't fun, people wouldn't do it. That's why we do it. And we think that we can dabble in it and pull out, get away from it. But the more you dabble in it, the more you get sucked into it. What I'm asking you guys to think about today, just to think about, this is how vocations happen, is begin to ponder what leads to real authentic joy. That's the question I want you to think about today. It's a question I never asked in high school, and I wish I would have. And I wish my buddies would have. Because I don't need to remind, maybe I said this before, I've talked to you a few times, five, you guys, five of my classmates from St. Mary Central High School are dead. Two drinking and driving, two drug overdose, and one suicide. They're dead. I'm 37 and they're dead because they never asked the question, what is this stuff that I'm doing? What is the end result of it? They just jumped in, thought it would be fun. Threw God's commands to the wind. I'm free, I'm gonna do my own damn thing. It's about me. And they're dead. And I got plenty of other stories I could tell you from my classmates who are divorced, 
who are dealing with all types of addictions. There's very few that are in a solid, beautiful state with a good family life. And guess what? Just by chance, those are the ones that are faithful to the church. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? There's a danger, you guys, when you do something without asking any questions, without saying what's going to happen in the long run. When I was in Mexico, I had a chance to go surfing. Yeah, I learned how to surf. So, an idiot from North Dakota, I don't know why I wanted to learn how to surf. We had, like the furthest thing from an ocean, right? So I got in, I got, I got a board, everything. I'm like, this is going to be great. I'm pretty athletic, not, you know, super athletic, but I like, I, I like sports. So I get out there, we're surfing, my buddy and I, we're on like three foot walls of water, about this big. We're surfing, carving, we're like, dude, this, we got this. So we decide, hey, for Easter break, let's go down to Puerto Escondido, which is one of the top 10 surf beaches in the world. Okay? So instead of three foot walls of water, we're talking 10 to 15 foot walls. I don't know how freaking how that is. Following that basketball hoop. Okay? And we the, didn't ask any questions. It's going to be fun. We love surfing. Let's just go out. We got out to the thing and we're looking at these things. Massive waves. Huge waves. And there's a big red flag waving on the beach. Nobody's out on the beach. Nobody's out on the waves. Looked at that red flag and said, what do you think that means? I don't know. <laughs> and it's like a Mexican tradition or something. They put a red flag out when surfing's awesome. Because we were idiots. <laughs> so you decide, yeah, let's go, man. It's going to be great. Little did we know red flag means don't go out. Because <laughs> it's freaking dangerous. But we went out. It took us 45 minutes to get past the break. Usually it takes about five. It's how big these waves were. There were undertoes. There were riptides. It was one of the most, we learned later, it was one of the most dangerous situations you could possibly have in the ocean. And we're a bunch of punk idiot, sur- like wannabe surfers, going out to surf one of the top ten surf beaches in the world. Not asking any questions. This will be fun. We get out past the break, we're getting ready, and we're like, alright buddy, you ready? I'm like, yeah, you know, we're sitting there. So we see this one coming, literally, these help, the, the waves were this big. You were sitting on your board and you'd raise up and you're like, hey, the beach. And then you go down and you're like, where'd the beach go? And you go, hey, there's the beach. They were huge swells, man. So finally we're like, here it comes this big one. We start swimming. We both get up. Now he's, I'm, I'm regular. He's goofy, right? So we both get out like boom, boom. And we look at each other. And we look down. And we look at each other. And there was like a holy shit. Because it was so high. So we, and then we started to go down, and it, was, it, was, it wasn't even a, like, there was no chance of even trying to ride this thing. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> belly flop, right? And I'm like, oh! Well then, I don't know how many tons of water, boom, drove me right into the ocean floor, you guys. Because you only surf, you surf in about six feet of water, six, seven feet, and it's rock, just bam! And like, my whole chest was cut. And I mean, like, just straight over these, these rocks. And then it was, you know, it's funny, the human being's hilarious. Because you know what went through my head? Sharks. Because <laughs> right? I'm bleeding, I'm like, sharks? What's going to happen? But anyway, then I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, sharks. And all of a sudden, remember, your board's hooked to your ankle. So it's just like, boom. And then it was, I don't know what's up, what's left, right, down. I'm like pushing my feet. And I'm like, this is it, man. I'm going to die. No, I seriously thought I was going to die. And so I was like, if I don't hit the ground on this last push, I'm a dead man. And all of a sudden I was like, yeah! And I just like jumped, because I'm getting ready to inhale water. 
So I'm like, with my face up, and abo- above me is my board. And just boom! Just busts out. I mean, if you ever break, I don't know if I broke my nose, but it was pretty bad. You know when you like, really hit your nose and it starts bleeding? It bleeds and bleeds. So I inhale blood, salt water, and then I vomit into the water. And I'm like hanging out at the board like, Wah. Well, I you forget it's the ocean, right? So it's not like it's just one wave and everything's cool. So it's just BAM! Hits me. Whole thing starts over again. And again. And again. I don't know how long I was out there, man. Somehow, by the grace of God, I managed to get up on to the beach. Bleeding, cut, ripped, I mean, crying. <laughs> I was crying like a little girl, man. I was just like, <laughs> I looked over and Joe's like, <laughs> I thought he was dead, like he had washed up on shore. So I go over to him and he's crying like I'm like, we're holding each other. <laughs> but that's the point, you guys. If you just go into things without asking any questions, it's very, very dangerous. So when you're doing the things that you're doing, I want you to ask questions. What is this going to do to me long term? Let's take an example because according to statistics, 70% of this crowd right here is deeply struggling with pornography. I want you guys to ask yourself the question because everybody says porn is just fine. It's fun. Nobody gets hurt. Really? It's like a 50% mortality rate of porn stars. That means that pornography you could be watching is of dead people. They're already in the ground. Porn star after porn star will admit, you can read about these articles, man, the ones that come clean, they get so drunk or high because they can't deal with themselves in the midst of the porn scene. That sounds like somebody's getting hurt. How about you guys? How about the people that are watching it? Are you getting hurt? How's it, how, how, you know, how's it going with lust? More porn you watch, the harder it is to look at a woman purely. Sounds like you're getting hurt. More porn you watch, the more your brain can't associate real intimacy with real women. Sounds like you're getting hurt. When you watch porn, apparently that's the way you're supposed to treat women. So you go try that and treat a woman like that, she gets hurt. Think about it long term. The more I do it, the more addicted I get to it, the more I can't stop doing it. So do you need to do something about it? Yeah, you're damn right you need to do something about it. You guys just ask some questions. That's all I'm asking you. What leads to life? What leads to death? I read in the gospel today, Jesus says, my commandments, keep my commandments, they lead to life and joy. And it's legit, man. And you can have fun doing it. I'm living proof of it. I smoke cigars. I drink scotch and beer. I love beer. Good beer, not crappy beer. But guess what? I don't drink 10 of them. I drink two. And I hang out with my buddies and I watch March Madness. And we throw stuff at each other and wrestle. And it's fun and they're good men. Surround yourself with good men. I am blessed in my own life. My brother's a priest. I got good men in my life like Mr. Emil, like Father Jared, like Reed Ruggles. Those guys would die for me. And I would die for them. And they call me out. How many of your friends call you out? When you do something stupid, do they call you out or do they cheer you on? Because when I joined, you guys, when I joined the priesthood, I lost all my friends. Because they weren't my friends. I got five buddies I'm still really close with. Those are my friends. 
Entrust yourself to good relationships and make good choices, okay? I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Have you seen it? <clears throat> okay, there's this beautiful point in there. This beautiful point. Because all of you might be saying, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, first of all, you've got to ask him. Repeatedly. Jesus, what do you want me to do? What was told to me when I was asked to Jesus? I was, I was like, how do I find my vocation? Father, or Monsignor Tom Richter and Father Alcibiades, they said, you'd say three Hail Marys every night. He said, Jesus, Mary, I give you permission to show me my vocation. Three Hail Marys every night. Two years after I started praying that, I joined the seminary. Never my wildest dream. If you asked any of my classmates who was going to be the priest in our class, I would have got zero votes. I promise you. <laughs> zero. I might have got the prison one. Right? <laughs> Who's going to prison? But in Hacksaw Ridge, there's this moment. If you guys remember, he's up on that hill and he's like, Lord, I don't know what to do. You've got to tell me what to do. And then there's that voice that's like, medic! And he's like, all right. <laughs> right? And he goes. So he's asking. You've got to ask for the call. God, what do you want me to do? And guess what? When he says medic, does that, is that an easy task? What he's supposed to just, what he's supposed to go do? No. He's got to lay down his life. He's got to run in the midst of battle. But he does it. He lays down his life so that others can live. And he does it recklessly. We do so much stupid stuff recklessly except live our faith. Why? Why aren't we reckless there? Because we know that greatness demands sacrifice. That's why. That guy went out, and as he comes back, he brings a guy back, lowers him down. What's the word he says? He's standing there, he's like, Lord, give me strength for one more. Boom, he goes out. Comes back, Lord, give me strength for one more. Boom, boom. What was it, 70? 75 people he saved. And you watch that movie and you're like, son of a gun. That, that's a guy I want to be like. I want to be like that guy. If you want to be like that guy, then start living it right now. Don't think you're just going to stumble into greatness. Don't think that everything's just, like as soon as you say, I do, when you get married, that all of a sudden you're going to be a good man. You're not. You're going to be an idiot if you were an idiot. If you want to be a good man, a virtuous man, a loving man, a man for others, a man for Christ, a man for the church, then start living it now. Now is the time, you guys. So I challenge you to do those things. To, to be like him. Ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And a few other things, okay? Practically, I would say, first of all, as I said, get rid of porn. That, you guys, is just killing men. It's killing vocations. It's killing... And I'm not talking to the priesthood. I'm talking to marriage. I'm talking just relationships, period. It's destroying them. Get it out of your life. Second, I want you to fight for the dignity of women. You guys, right now, I don't, probably don't have to say this to some of you, but it's easy to take advantage of women. And a lot of people say, well, they don't respect themselves. Why should I respect them? Because as John Paul II said, he said, the dignity of every woman is entrusted to every man. It's your job to defend them, to protect them, to stand up for them. And so I'm begging you guys to fight for women. Fight for their dignity. And third, fight for your faith. The world out there, you guys, the next, what are you, juniors and seniors? The next four to five years of your life are going to determine almost all of your life. 
The choices you're going to make in these last two years, last years of high school, and the next four years of college, they are going to determine the man you will become long term. And so you better choose wisely. Fight for your faith. If you guys want, if I could tell every young man one thing, I would tell him this. Always go to Sunday mass. And always go to confession. Those are the two things. Even me. At my worst. And it got real freaking dark in my life. I never stopped going to mass. And I never stopped going to confession. Don't ever stop. Those are your anchors. I had a young lady. I was out at the University of Mary. She came in. Now I'm not kidding you guys. This is, this is this has never happened to me. I'm in the confessional. You know, I'm just forgiving sins, no big deal. <laughs> Reconciling people to God. And as I was sitting there, this this young lady, gorgeous, I mean the, like a knockout, stumbles <laughs> into my confessional. Sits down. And I'm like, in the name of the Father, and she's like, she's like, I don't want to go to confession. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here then? And she's like, I don't know. I got lost. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you didn't. You did not get lost. Nobody gets lost and finds their way into a church and then into a confessional. You're here for a reason. She's like, you freaking judge me. You don't know me. I'm like, I don't know you. But I do know one thing. I've seen people like you before. And I got a pretty good hunch while you're here. She's like, yeah? Why is that? I'm like, because you've made some terrible decisions. You've given yourself away way too many times to way too many guys. And you have no focus in your life right now. And you're scared shitless. And she started bawling. <clears throat> now, I just had to give her confession because she was drunk. <laughs> but I said, I want you to call me back. And I said, I'm going to work with you. And I'm going to help you get back on the right track. She used to be the worst, one of the worst out at that college. But through the grace of God, she married one of the best men I know out there. And she is one of the most Catholic girls I know. She is a staunch defender of the faith. Lost all of her friends. But she gained one of the most champion husbands I've ever met in my life. And the, here's the crazy part. <clears throat> we were having a glass of wine because I did marriage prep for him. And I was like, I, was like, I said to her, I was like, hey... I was like, you know, during that time, it must have been really hard because, I mean, like, you weren't going to Mass and all of a sudden you just wandered into the confessional and she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you were going to Mass? <laughs> she's like, yeah. I never stopped. And you guys, I have done this little test. If people, if they continue to go to Mass, they don't stop Mass, they don't stop confession, no matter how bad it gets, they will never fall away completely. It's like 100% of the time I've seen it. So trust that. Live that. Okay? How Tanner, what time do we get done? For Damn. Never enough time. <clears throat> and you guys, I, I just want to read this. I, I, in my own prayer, I was trying to find, like, I'm like, who's the most masculine man I know? Who's, like, the, 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 the most, like, the dude of all dudes? And I'm praying about that, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm trying to think. And think. All of a sudden, the Lord's like, it's me, you idiot. I'm like, yeah, I guess I never thought about that. And I started to pray over the Gospels, and this is what I came up with. I wrote this down in regards to the man, Jesus Christ. Because I think we think of Jesus as like a hippie. Right? He's just kind of nice and loving. You know, he has long hair, robes. You know, everybody's cool, just peace and love. Yeah. But that is not the man that Christ was. Listen to this. This is what I wrote. He said he was hard but compassionate, strong but loving, 
He would let, he would let those who followed him, wouldn't let those who followed him be anything less than perfect. He would call out Pharisees for hypocrisy and yet forgive the most wicked person if they truly desired it. He gave hope to those who had none. He loved the unlovable. He never backed down from what he said, even when people thought he was crazy and tried to kill him. He protected women when others tried to hurt them. He called storms, healed the crippled. He fought the devil on his terms and never backed down from a fight when it was for the truth. When they came out looking for him, he didn't hide. 200 armed men came looking for Christ. And you know what he did? He walked out to them. How many of you would do that? Huh? If 200 men came to kick your ass, how many of you would walk out and say, let's go? I wouldn't. I'd run. <laughs> Jesus walks out and says, what do you want? Who are you looking for? And then when they say, we're looking for you, we want you dead. You know what he says? Fine, take me. Let these men go. That's a freaking man, you guys. He looked at a Roman governor in the face who had the power to crucify him and said, you have no power over me. Then he endured whips laced with glass and metal as they tore at his flesh, a crown of thorns that pierced into his skull. He was falsely accused, mocked, spit on, and made to carry across to his death where he hung naked, so disfigured from the punishment he had deserved, deserved, or given that nobody even recognized him. We're not leaving that. At that moment, at that moment, he's mainly disfigured. What does he do to those who are killing him? He forgives them. I don't know if there's a better example of what a man is to be than that. He is the quintessential man. You guys, we're meant to change the world. We are meant not to just be good enough. We're meant to give our lives so that others can live. And so I'm asking you guys, I'm begging you, Think before you act. Ask God what he wants you to do. Three Hail Marys a night. Look, man, if you can't do three Hail Marys a night, you're in a real bad place. <laughs> and end the scourge of pornography. Start, you guys, start groups. Fraternity is one of the biggest things that helps. Get covenantized. Lock down your phone. There's plenty of people that will help you with this, but you've got to go ask them. And you've got to be willing to fight. So many times men think they're such like manly men, but they never fight for anything. You know, a guy that drives around, he's got testicles hanging off of his hitch on his big pickup. America on the back. That's not, I mean, maybe that's a man, but I don't think so. He's a poser. And the last thing I want to tell you guys is I, just be all in. The Lord says in the book of Revelation, he says, how I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're neither, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. Don't be mediocre. Give yourself completely. Mediocre people are dead people. You know what I've been thinking about a lot lately? You know there's all these zombie shows? You know, like The Walking Dead and all this stuff. I think it's, a mim it's mimicking the culture. We got zombies walking around, man. What do I mean by that? They may be walking around, they look alive, but internally, they're dead. They got nothing. They have no fire, they have no passion. All they are is apathetic, worthless zeros that play video games and drink and get high and think everything's funny and life is a joke. What made in Hacksaw Ridge, what made that man do what he did? What made him do what he did? He was, 
He had suffering placed upon him, and he chose to embrace it. Right now, we live in a time in this world where it is so hard to be a saint. So hard. I don't know if you heard this story. <clears throat> this is the danger of our, our world. There was a man in the Fujian Prince, uh, province of China. And in, in the Fujian Prince, uh, province, Christianity is illegal. Okay? They caught this man. He's had masses offered in his home. They caught him. They got everybody away but him. They tortured him with a cattle prod. They shocked him until he passed out. And when he woke up, they would shock him until he passed out. And all he had to say was, where is the priest? That's it. He just had to give up the location of the priest. And he wouldn't do it. For 30 days, they did this to this man. Finally, they let him go. They're like, we're not going to get anything out of this guy. Scarred, burned. What's he do? He gets the hell out of China. <laughs> he goes to America. Adam, in America, he gets a job. He was amazed. He's like, you can go to Mass any time. You can go to adoration. You can pray. Everything's totally legit. This is great. So he's living. He's praying. He's going to Mass. He gets a job, and all of a sudden he sees, well, if I work a little bit more, I can make a little bit more money. So he stops going to daily Mass. Then he gets a promotion. He's like, i got to work even harder. And the, more hard, the harder I work, the more money I get. He stops going to adoration. If I work weekends, I get time and a half. I make more money. He stops going to Sunday Mass. In one year, you guys, what communist China could not break in this man, our culture did without even trying. In one year, he left the faith. This life is not about money. It is not about fame. It is not about honor. It is about giving of yourself and being in relationship. It's the truth of humanity. And you can either buy that and believe that, which is the truth that Christ gives to us, or you can buy the sales pitch of the enemy. And you can live for him. So you're either serving God or you're serving the devil. And in the end, in the end, you'll have to answer for that. So I challenge you to live your life and live it well because you only get one chance. And if you're living right now like there's no hell, you better damn be right. And if you want to change, get help and support one another and help one another live virtuous lives and self-sacrifice and discipline and ask God for assistance and what he wants from you. Okay? Thanks, fellas.